You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Things are starting to pick up pace a little bit here on this issue with the Fed, inflation, the bond market, etc. On Friday, we wrote an article talking about interest rates do matter to the stock market. And the interesting thing from the study was I've seen a lot of articles. And the reason I wrote the article is there's been a lot of articles out lately saying, oh, don't worry about rising interest rates because, you know, Every time interest rates go up, the market does better. And the problem here is, is that, you know, it's always a bit about kind of cherry picking your data and, and kind of what you display. And, and what they show you is they show you these periods of time where, yes, indeed, interest rates did go up and the stock market went up at the same time. Uh, but they take it out of context to begin with. And the second thing is, is they don't show you what happened next. And this is the important thing. Yes, there are times when interest rates can go up and the stock market goes up. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, in earlier periods in the economy where that occurred, you had very, very strong economic growth, which when you have strong economic growth, and I mean, and, you know, we're talking six, seven, eight, nine percent rates of economic growth on sustained year over year basis. You can have rising inflation and rising interest rates, and it's okay because you have very strong economic growth, which is leading to higher wages and people can afford the higher interest rates and the higher inflation because they're making more money. And so in that environment, not surprisingly, you see interest rates move up and stock prices can move up, particularly when you're in the midst of a very strong bull market advance as we are today. So it's not surprising. But in every case, in every single case, there was an eventual reversion in stock prices. And, and in a lot of cases, not a little, but in a lot of cases, a lot. One of the most famous was, the, of course, the crash in 1974 because of higher inflation. But again, you go, always, you go all the way back to 1900, you see the same evolution, right? Stock prices can go up with interest rates, but eventually they don't. And it makes sense because as interest rates go up, and particularly as inflation goes up at the same time, there is a pressure on profit margins and on earnings, particularly when companies aren't able to pass on those costs onto consumers. Now, initially, we may be able to see companies do that, as we are today is a good example. Companies have been able to sustain profit margins in the, I want to be very clear about this, in the third quarter of this year. In the third quarter of this year, we saw in recent earnings reports, companies were able to maintain their earnings and their profit margins because they were able to pass some of that cost on to consumers. Now, remember, in the third quarter, we also had extended unemployment benefits and other things still flowing into households, which allowed individuals this extra money to absorb these higher costs and to spend this extra money they were getting, this manna from heaven, so to speak. Fourth quarter, we don't have that. Next year, we're not going to have that. So it's always important to remember the context in which these things happen, but in the article that we produced on the website on Friday, if you go to realinvestmentadvice.com, you can read the article, which is, entitled Rising Interest Rates Do Matter to the Markets. Prior to 2000, before the Fed became very active, there was a very high non-correlation over periods 
between stocks and interest rates. In other words, if interest rates were going up, stock prices were going down majority of the time. And if interest rates were falling, stock prices were going up. Prior Post-2000, when the Fed became very active in the markets, the correlation immediately switched. And as interest rates went up, so did stock prices. And when interest rates were going down, so were stock prices. And we still see that same correlation pretty much intact currently. The problem here is, is that in every case, again, even going back to 2000, interest rates and stock prices would rise to a point until those interest rates became a problem for the market. One of the most famous being 2007, Ben Bernanke was saying, yeah, interest rates are going up. It's not a problem. The economy's strong and subprime is contained. And interest rates weren't a problem. The Fed hiked interest rates. Interest rates were going up. The stock market was booming. It was all fine and dandy. We're having a massive housing bubble. People were jumping into houses left and right. And then all of a sudden, like a light switch, it all stopped. Subprime was not contained. And there was a point of where people said, you know what? I can't afford it. And this is what happens every time. you know. And again, we never know at what point that is, but there's always a point. There is that... Final interest rate hike or that final level of interest rates rising and all of a sudden everything stops. Somebody holds up their hand and says, I'm out. And then when they say they're out, everybody else gets out too. And this is and this is the problem with the financial markets. And currently where we are right now, we have exactly that same environment. Yes, interest rates are going up. The Fed's talking about hiking interest rates. Stock prices don't care. Inflation's up. Stock prices don't care. We just keep going up. It's all great. It's all fine. It's all dandy. We just haven't reached that point yet. And at some point, I don't know where it is, right? It could be one and three quarters percent of the 10-year. It could be two percent of the 10-year. It could be two and a quarter on the 10-year. It could be, you know, whatever it is. But whatever rate that is, there will be a point to where everything stops and that's where you get your correction. You know, last time the Fed was hiking interest rates, and we're going to talk about this uh, in, a, in a moment. But the last time the Fed was hiking rates was in 2018. And in September of 2018, the Fed says, oh, we're hiking rates, but we're nowhere near the neutral rate yet, which told the markets that they were going to continue to hike rates. And the next thing you know, over the next two months, stocks are down 20%. Again, it can be just something somebody says. It can be a level. It can be something. That, and what we're talking about here is sentiment. And was, this is a point that we discussed in this past weekend's newsletter. It's in our daily commentary as well. I repeated it. So if you if you subscribe to our daily commentary on the website, you'll get it this morning. The instability of stability is the biggest risk that the Fed has. And what that is, is there's what's called the stability-instability paradox. And what this paradox means is, and all it says is, is that stability leads to instability. In other words, when you create an environment where you create stability, and the Fed's been doing this through monetary policy and zero interest rates now for a decade, but these periods of, insta of stability eventually lead to a period of instability. 
2018 was a good example of that. 2015, 2016. We go through these periods of instability in the markets because something happens, some exogenous event, whether it's you know Brexit or whether it's a euro crisis or simply just a comment by the Fed that says, hey, we're nowhere near the neutral rate. And markets that have been living in this very stable atmosphere where there is no risk and I'm taking on a lot of excess risk, record call options, record IPOs, all these type of things that we got on record margin debt that we have going on right now. All of a sudden, something changes that sentiment. And when that sentiment changes, that period of stability becomes a period of instability. In other words, to put it simply, you know, what the Fed depends upon is all actors in the markets acting rationally. In other words, nobody's willing to do something. <coughs> Excuse me. No actors willing to do something that will intentionally cause damage. Right? That's the thought, right? Nobody will push that big red button. You know, the big red button that everybody says, do not push that big red button. And of course, that's the one thing you just want to push, right? That's the thing. And that's what the Fed depends on. The Fed, depending on everybody acting rationally and saying, hey, don't push that big red button. And everybody stands over here and goes, okay, we're not going to push the big red button. But there's always that one guy or girl that says, but what if? Maybe I'll just push it and see, see what happens if I really push the big red button. And that's what happens, right? And eventually, somebody pushes that big red button, and that's where you get instability. And that's why the paradox is, is by creating stability, by telling everybody, look, it's fine. Just don't push the big red button. It's all good. There's somebody that will eventually push the big red button. And that's what creates the instability in the markets. So this is the thing that's going on. Again, we don't know what causes this, right? We don't know what causes this change in sentiment, but something does cause it. And again, it can be something that we're all watching generally it's not generally if we if we know about it and we're, we're talking about it we're looking at it for instance a lot of people have been talking about you know the rise in pandemic cases right we're seeing pandemic cases come back up again because it's winter right could be flu could be COVID-19 who knows but we're starting to see some cases come up okay but the market knows that so probably not going to be that issue it's going to be something that the markets aren't expecting what that could be, I don't know. But that's the thing you want to be paying attention for. You want to be paying attention to the person that's going to push that big red button. Be right back after the break. So just for the break, talking a little bit about, you know, this uh, idea of stability that leads to instability. And, and the one thing here that, you know, the market's been talking about a lot lately is, oh, don't worry about rising interest rates. Don't worry about inflation because stock prices are still going up. And that's not uncommon. That can certainly happen um, in the markets. Happened, it has happened numerous times. And so you'll see a lot of commentary coming out. you got to be very careful about the commentary you read about this because they'll pick data that says, okay, from, you know, you know, this period to this one-year period out, you know, stock prices and inflation rose and it was all fine. But you go out a little bit further than that, you see where it mattered. And more cases than not, it matters a good bit. So be careful with the data. Do a little bit of work. Before you just take an article at, 
you know, kind of face value, particularly when it's written by a journalist that doesn't really manage money for a living, it's important to, to do a little bit of homework and say, okay, well, what happened next? Ask the question. Always ask the question, what happened next? Over the last couple of days, and this is to today's article on the website talking about Fed taper, over the last couple of days, we've seen more and more Fed officials coming out discussing the idea of an acceleration in the timeline for tapering and for hiking interest rates. And this is important because this has pretty much everything to do ultimately with the financial markets. Because these are the things that ultimately drive the valuation on companies. Richard Clarita, and these are some headlines. I'm just going to read to you a couple of headlines from the Wall Street Journal. Richard Clarita says the Fed may discuss taper pace at the December meeting. Now, we talked about the taper pace in the November meeting. The taper pace in the November meeting was $15 billion a month, which would stop bond purchases by June. Fed may discuss taper pace in December, suggests that they may be talking about increasing that pace. Reason I say that is, is that Fed's Waller says that central banks should finish tapering bond buys by April. That would suggest a pickup of a, to from fifteen billion to twenty billion a month, roughly, to end tapering by April. Bullard came out and said the Federal Reserve should tack in a more hawkish direction in terms of hiking interest rates. Now, already, the market is predicting two rate hikes. There's a 60% chance of the, 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 the Fed fund futures market is pricing in right now a 60% probability that the Fed will hike twice next year. Now, the important thing about Fed fund futures and the markets is they always historically underestimate what the Fed will do. So if they think the Fed will hike twice, it's likely we may see the Fed hike three or four times next year. There's a not so unreasonable expectation in the Fed futures markets right now of three rate hikes next year as well. Of course, this has everything to do with the pace of inflation. By most intents and purposes, the employment is back to full employment. It's really getting hard to argue you're not back to full employment when you have a record number of job openings and you know a, a 4.5% unemployment rate. That's historically very low. So it's going to be much tougher for the Fed to say, well, we're going to keep monetary policy accommodative because we're not yet back to full employment. That's getting really kind of a very difficult argument to make. Particularly when inflation's running, you know, six, six and a half percent. Headline out this morning. How much is the Cracker Barrel Thanksgiving dinner? A Thanksgiving heat and serve fast uh, fast feast meal, sorry, that serves 8 to 10 people will cost $144 this year. 
everything is up. Meats, poultries, fish, and eggs are up 12%. Salad dressings up 7.7%. Salt and other uh, seasonings are up uh, 5%. Bakery products up 3.5%. Fruits and vegetables up 3%. Inflation is running pretty hot. In fact, for the first time, computers are now 8% more expensive than they were a year ago. That's the first time tech hardware has ever, ever contributed to inflation. So the problem for the Fed is that inflation is a thing. Higher oil prices, higher gas prices. And it's interesting because, you know, lots of articles right now about we need to transition away from fossil fuels to wind and solar power and these other forms of less efficient energy transmission and production. That's fine. From a climate change perspective, that's great, right? We'll, we'll transition to these cleaner forms of energy. Be prepared for extremely high rates of inflation when you do that. Article out this morning, we can do that transition much faster than people think. We can just switch over to solar power and wind power much faster. Be prepared. It is much less efficient. You can't produce as much, which means the demand for coal and other sources of energy-driven production will go up. Prices will follow. You also set the country in place for another round of, you know, California blackouts nationwide. Brownouts and blackouts. It's always important to think about the unintended consequences, but here's the issue at hand for the Fed is that these are all inflationary. And there's a lot of hope here that a lot of the inflation that we're seeing right now is transient, and, and a lot of it could be, right? Uh, we're already starting to see some relief, finally, in the supply chain disruptions. Small, small relief, not a lot, but seeing some small relief, starting to see some things getting moving along here. But one of the problems that we have is a lack of truckers. We talked about this last week. 80,000 truckers short. we got to find more truckers. You know, the government's talking about spending $1.5 trillion or whatever it is on social infrastructure. How about spending a you know, few billion on uh, training truckers? Set up a program to supply trucks and train drivers. That will help you uh, solve some of this uh, production problem. Inflation's a problem. The problem here is, again, as the Fed begins to battle this inflation, they're going to have to hike rates. The good news is that when the Fed begins to hike rates and taper their balance sheet, that's been very good for bonds. Yields go down. Why, does yields, why do yields go down? Ha <laughs> there's the question. In the last segment, we talked about the fact that stock prices and bond prices are correlated. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that to say that correctly. Stock prices and interest rates are correlated. Bond prices go down when interest rates go up. This is that risk-on to risk-off transition. I sell bonds to go buy stocks. However, at some point, the Fed hikes rates. You have inflationary pressures. Whatever it is, whatever changes that sentiment, Market psychology moves from risk on to risk off. In other words, I sell stocks to buy bonds, which means stock prices go down, bond prices go up, yields fall. That's why interest rates and stock prices are correlated. The question that we don't know is just yet is at what point 
is can the Fed raise twice, three times, four times, five times, six times? How many times can the Fed raise interest rates today before you impact the financial markets? In other words, all we're talking about here, again, and, and don't stretch your mind too far economically speaking, what you're looking for is at what point does the Fed removing the proverbial punch bowl from the stock market changes the risk on dynamic, which is what investors have now, which is witnessed by record margin debt levels, record call option buying, record speculative activity, record IPOs and SPACs this year. I mean, we've just seen a record across the board in terms of speculative activity and money flows. So what changes that psychology from risk on to risk off? That's all you're talking about. Because that's what changes the dynamic of the market. And despite the fact that you see articles written about, oh, don't worry about interest rates going up and inflation going up, it's all fine because stock prices rise. Well, yeah, that's because it's a risk on world at the moment. What changes that? I don't have the answer. Don't don't be looking, you know, don't think in here in uh, the next minute and a half before I hit the break that I'm going to give you this magic clue. It says, oh, by the way, watch this one thing because that's going to tell you. I don't know. I have no idea what causes the change to the risk-off dynamic, but that's the one thing the market, particularly the financial media in particular, is not paying attention to. Right now, you watch the financial meeting, it's just, hey, buy stocks, are all going up. But at some point, something, right? What could it be? Well, tax hikes. Start taxing capital gains. It could be... Inflation hitting some level, interest rates moving up, the bond uh, the bond market telling you that something's going on, the Fed starting to hike interest rates to a point that it impacts consumption, right? Because the entire world functions on leverage, which means that if interest rates go up, all of a sudden, I can't afford as much because I'm borrowing money to buy stuff. That's the correlation. All right. Come back from the break. Got a few topics to wrap up the show. Don't go away. I'm Rose Lance Roberts for today's edition of The Real Investment Show. Get by the website both the articles about interest rates in the stock market and the Fed taper is good for bonds on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. Thanksgiving cost up 14%, Christmas trees up 10 to 30%. This is why I was complaining about buying another Christmas tree at my wife's house. Trees are expensive. But she's happy. She actually she tried she tried to test me yesterday. She's like, "You know, we have this empty spot upstairs that could use a Christmas tree." I'm like, "No." <laughs> She's a cagey one. She, she's sneaky. She's sneaky. She goes, but, but, but. I'm like, no, but. <laughs> no more Christmas treats. You're done. Cut off. Done. <laughs> anyway, it's all good. She's very happy decorating right now for uh, Thanksgiving. Are the turkeys still up in the yard? Turkey's still up in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. We lost one turkey. Oh. We, we had turkey down this year. So... It, it was it was a sad event, but uh, mm. yeah, some some somebody decided to pop one of our turkeys. So, really? Yeah. So turkey down. It da was, dangerous hood. I know. That's <laughs> what happens when you live in the burbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Mogadishu. Turkey down. <laughs> so, um, 
stuff that goes on at my house. You wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe if I told you half the stuff that happened in my house. You'd never believe. It. I went to see the doctor. So, uh, so I've been so I run a lot, and I uh, started getting a pretty bad pain in my knee, and so I was a little bit worried that my you know might have torn a meniscus or you know done my ACL wrong, you know whatever it was. And so I, I called my doctor that I go to see. He's, uh, he's an orthopedic uh, surgeon, really great guy, but he's an older guy, right? So he's, he's kind of like Coach Murphy that you grew up with in high school. So I went in to see him. You know, I paid my, I paid my $25 copay, right, to go see him. And it never cost me more than $25 to go see him because his solution is pretty much the same every time. I go in to see him. I was like, was like does it hurt? I'm like, yeah, it hurts. He says, well, rub some dirt on it and walk it off. <laughs> I'm really not kidding you too much. And I said, well, don't you have something you maybe give me for the pain? He hands me a thing of Tic Tacs. He says, take one a day and pretend it doesn't hurt. What's your problem? So I went home. I took a Tic Tac. And believe it or not, my knee doesn't hurt today. I don't know. <laughs> the rubbing dirt thing on it works. I'm not. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and you think I jest. I guess he used to be a coach in high school or college or something, but but you you think I just, this is the best doctor ever to go to because he has the same solution every time and it never cost me more than $25. (laughs) So that or the the ghost of Dr. Red Duke lives again. I know, right? It's all, you know, but but like I said, but do you feel much better today? So, you know, while everybody's roaming around and, you know, worried about trying to get some type of, you know, drug for this or that or a cure for this, rub some dirt on it and suck it up. You'll be fine. That's the basic solution to everything in the world. And it works just fine. Shameless self-promotion for Tic Tacs. <laughs> this, this segment brought to you by Tic Tacs. <laughs> anyway. Like I said, you, you wouldn't believe half the stuff that happens at my house anyway if I told you, so I just won't tell you. Anyway, um... A couple of things to wrap up the show with this morning. Again, as we kind of move this uh, this week, again, as we started out the show with, extremely light trading this week. So again, just be careful about anything that you see kind of going on in the markets because it's unlikely um, to be something that you can actually bet on. So if you see the market, you know, some, some position you own, take a big correction, whatever it is, um, don't, don't need jerk react to it. Um, just try to shut things off for this week, get through this week, Next week um, begins to get a little bit more serious as people um, return kind of from the holidays and get back to trading. And we're going to run right smack dab into the first two weeks of December, where we again, we have the bulk of the mutual fund distributions. Now, that doesn't mean let me be really clear here. Um, that doesn't mean that the first two weeks of December are a guaranteed sell-off because we're on mutual fund distributions. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is is just you want to be aware of it. Because this is what happens in the first two weeks of December. And you'll see a lot of charts out. And look, and if you just go pull charts out, and, and I've put some out in like a weekend's, this weekend's newsletter. If you go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, click on this weekend's newsletter. I've got a chart of seasonality. And right now, everybody's going, look at this chart of seasonality. The stock market is going to go up through the end of the year. And then January is even better when that occurs. Yeah, Santa Claus will come this year. But if you take a look at the chart, even seasonality shows you that the first two weeks of December tend to be weak. Now, does that mean it's going to be down 20%? No, but you know, down 2%, 3 4%, well within context of normality. 
that sets you up for the Santa Claus rally. You get the rally at the end of the year, and then you get repositioning for the beginning of the year. That's why January tends to be good. Does that mean that's always the case? No, it doesn't. 2018 is a good example of that. We're down 20%. So it doesn't mean that just because seasonality is here doesn't mean that something else can happen. That's why you want to be careful. It's always the unexpected that gets you. You know, If we could just always bet on what we expect to occur, then there's really no risk to being in the markets at all. It's always the risk of something unexpected occurring. That's what we're hedging against. You know, we're long equities. We're invested. What do I care if the market goes up? What I need to be paying attention to? And, you know, this is the one thing that kind of my biggest complaint for financial media. You know, they tell me all day long why I need to be buying stocks. I know I need to be buying stocks. The markets are going up. Tell me something I don't know. Tell me what the risks are. Tell me what may not work. You know, telling me that stuff just always goes up is great for selling product, but I want to keep my capital. Mohamed Elalarian made a great comment um, talking about where we are in the market cycle last week. He says, you know, this is the time that investors need to be worrying more about the return of their capital rather than the return on their capital. And that's right. We're at that point in the cycle where part of our focus needs to be on the return of our capital as much as we're trying to make a return on our capital. Because making a return on capital is easy. Markets are going up. But if you lose 30 or 40% of it, what was the purpose? Or what was the point, I should say? And we're kind of at that point in the cycle. But if you're worried about inflation, the St. Louis Fed now has some advice for your Thanksgiving dinner. You know, it's always important that you get uh, advice from the Fed because they're so adept at providing good advice since they are the ones that generally have created every financial crisis in the markets going back to 1980. The Federal Reserve Bank at St. Louis posted some climate crisis-approved nutrition advice on its blog Saturday ahead of Thanksgiving. A Thanksgiving dinner serving of poultry cost $1.42 a soybean-based dinner serving with the same amount of calories costs 66 cents and provides almost twice as much protein. This was the Fed's Twitter account. Very handy advice from the Fed. So if you need to cut back on your inflation and your calories, have some soybean paste instead of a turkey. The problem with, with soybean paste, more commonly known as tofu, it's hard to carve. It just kind of smashes. So, you know, when you're trying to do the annual carving of the turkey with tofu, it just doesn't actually work out as well. Smear it on some crackers, you're just fine. <laughs> you know, I was wondering how long it was going to be. You know, Beyond Meat, uh, their stock has been under a tremendous amount of pressure because of lack of consumption. <laughs> And I was kind of wondering how long this was going to be because, you know, going to restaurants, you know, uh, Burger King did the Impossible Whopper. Um, I went into a grub restaurant with my uh, wife and daughter over the weekend, and they had, we now provide Beyond Meat options. So I asked the, asked the, the cashier, I go, how many people actually order that Beyond Meat burger? She said, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, if you go to a grub, the whole reason for going to Grub is they serve great hamburgers, right? You don't go to Grub for Beyond Meat. Um, 
But that's kind of my suspicion, and that's really what showed up in the stock price as well, is that demand for their products has fallen remarkably. And, and again, this is always the case, right? We always have these fad stocks, right? Something comes out, it's like, oh, yeah, we're all going to be vegetarian. And this is the problem with everything right now. Right when Beyond Meat came back, came out initially, they ran the valuation up to the company, which on the company, which suggested that basically everybody would have to be vegetarian in order to support that valuation. Of course, that's not what happens. Currently, right now, Tesla is a good example of that. In order for Tesla to maintain a trillion dollar valuation, they pretty much have to sell every car to everybody on the planet. Right? Just not going to happen. There's competition, there's manufacturing, all these other things, right? So, you know, again, what causes bubbles and burst are when expectations and reality have this nasty habit of colliding. And, you know, part of your investment thesis when you look at things and you're, and you're buying things or, or making investments, it doesn't mean that it's not okay to have overvalued assets in your portfolio. We have overvalued assets in our portfolio, NVIDIA, Ford, uh, GM, et cetera. You know, those are all overvalued assets currently. But so is the entire market is overvalued. It's okay to have overvalued assets. Just understand that you have overvalued assets and watch for that moment where reality begins to collide with fantasy. Because, again, there was no way that Beyond Meat was going to be able to support its valuation that it was trading at. Tesla will not be able to support its valuation where it's trading at. Doesn't mean you shouldn't own it. Just means it can't support the valuation. So you're going to have a correction in price at some point when ultimately reality meets expectations. It's just a function of time. Don't know what causes it. Don't know when it occurs. Just be aware that it will. And then you have other opportunities. So never be afraid to take some profits along the way. Taking profit. Nobody, there's an old Wall Street saying, nobody ever went broke taking profits. That wraps up the show for the day. We'll be back tomorrow for Technically Speaking Tuesday. We're talking about the Santa Claus rally tomorrow. Is it coming? Why is it coming? And who is it going to be for? <laughs> That'll be in tomorrow's post as well for Technically Speaking Tuesday. We'll cover that in the morning. In the meantime, get by the website. Our latest articles are out, uh, both of them. Uh, one on interest rates in the stock market, one on Fed taper in the bond market. Uh, those are on the website now to help you invest your way better. If you need questions or comments, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you here tomorrow.